Welcome, Modesto campus. Welcome, online campus. Those of you who are watching online, uh, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, it's really, really great to see Pastor Scott here, his family. His son was playing drums in there. Uh, his wife, Susie's back there. Uh, I told this last night, but uh, when my wife and I, when we were new parents, um, we had twins right off the bat, so one and two became double parents, and we're coming home from the hospital. And one of the cool things, Pastor Scott and Susie, we were in their parenting class and all those things, and we get home from the hospital, and there's no sleep going on in the Peterson house at all, no sleep. Uh, the babies in the womb, I think they kind of, especially when they're twins, they decide um, they are not going to let the parents sleep. Parents, you can understand. And when they, when they decide this as twins, they decide, uh, we're going to take turns. You take first watch. When I'm done, I'll cry, and then you'll wake up, and then that's kind of just how the cycle goes. So no sleep in our home whatsoever. And so Susie came over. She could tell we were exhausted, all this stuff. She comes over, spends the night on our couch, and my wife and I, for the first time, get to have a couple hours of uninterrupted sleep for uh, a night. So thank you, Susie. That was awesome blessing to our family, and we will never forget it. Uh, so many ways that family's blessed our church, and uh, just the getting to know Scott on the platform and off the platform has been a blessing, so that's been awesome. Uh, my name is Brandon. I am our online campus pastor, and if that's a, a new term to you, it is a new term to us as a church, trying to figure out what does it look like as a church to uh, offer online ministry, to try to care for people online. Uh, about a year and a half ago, you know, we all had this this shift of life with COVID. And I was the kids pastor, loved hanging out with kids, and then there was this big need, this big opportunity that said, uh, a whole bunch of our church is online. They're only online. They feel really disconnected. Um, is there some way that we can make an investment there? So I'm like, eh, I'm young. I'm online a lot, so I'll hang out with them. And so uh, my efforts kind of shifted towards what we do with our live stream and our online communities and social media and different things. And so um, I've loved exploring what that means for our church, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, but this is a cool weekend. They mentioned already that this is Reach Emphasis. We're, we've got our, a couple of our Reach partners here, and we're, we as a church are really um, unpacking what that core value of our church means. Uh, if you've been with Big Valley for a while, you've, you remember we've had Reach conferences, right? We take a few weeks in the fall. We say, hey, we're going to go through Reach and invite a bunch of partners here and all this kind of stuff. What we decided to do this year was a little different and say, hey, let's take a couple weeks throughout the year, and let's make sure that we as a church kind of re-engage this idea of reach more often. And so this is one of those weekends. And kind of cool the way it lines up is because last weekend, Pastor Joel unpacked this, this thing called the June Giving Challenge. He didn't give any specifics, but he just said, it's coming, uh, get ready. And it lines up, actually, God did all the time in here, but it lines up really well with what we're looking at today and why reach and what we're trying to do in June are really one in the same type of thing. So uh, without further ado, I'm gonna... We're going to watch a video together, and Pastor Joel is going to unpack some more of the specifics of what that means before we hop into the Word together. So check this out. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. This is an opportunity for us to celebrate as a church family. Whether you're with us on our series campus or our online campus or a Modesto campus, we have a lot to be really grateful for. And I'll say it in this way. Our current financial status as a church family is very, very healthy. Thank you for your generosity to Jesus and his mission. We've received through your financial contributions over 98% of our general fund need today. And this is very good. The church leadership has also managed our ministry expenses to date at a level that's below the total financial contributions received today. So in other words, income is over expenses. This is also very good. In addition, we have a healthy financial reserve that we've been faithfully building a little at a time over a long period of time. And all of this is a really cool picture of God's provision for our church family. And so we're celebrating. We're celebrating the healthy financial position that we're currently in as a church family. And our leadership has become aware of some new opportunities to both invest in and expand our gospel impact. So let's be challenged together. Our church leadership has crafted a simple June giving challenge to see what God might want to do through this season of ministry. We see this as an opportunity to invest beyond our current general fund budget in ways that we believe are going to significantly expand our gospel impact. So here are two numbers that represent the June giving challenge. The first 
is the need for $450,000 in June to meet the ministry budget. So this is the general fund that practically funds the gospel ministry at Big Valley Grace Community Church in the month of June. And again, I wanna say thank you because this fiscal year has gone really, really well. Thank you for your generosity to Jesus. The second number is an aim we have during this June giving challenge to raise an additional $312,000 to expand our gospel impact. Now I wanna answer a few questions here. If in June we partially raise that $312,000, the leadership will choose part of the opportunities. If we do the full amount, we'll do the full of the opportunities. And if we exceed our goal, the leadership will look to expand the opportunities. So really practically, what are these funds going to be used for? First, we want to expand our gospel impact in our own community. We've identified an opportunity. And in this June giving challenge, $100,000 will be used for seed money that would be to launch a series campus youth center in the next couple years. And the total amount that we believe that we'll need over the next couple years is around $350,000 for this series youth center. And we're really excited to expand our gospel impact in our own community in this way. Second, we want to expand our gospel impact in a future community. So of the $312,000, $100,000 would be seed money that would go towards launching a church campus that we believe right now would be north of the Modesto campus. So we've launched a campus south into series, and now we're praying and beginning to plan for how we would launch a campus north of the Modesto campus. We believe the total need for that project will be around $500,000, and we're looking to do that over the next three to five years. So this is an opportunity for us to expand our gospel impact into a future community. And the third way is to expand our gospel impact in the global community. So of, of that $312,000, we would be investing $112,000 towards the following projects that would happen now at this time and be completed in this moment during this challenge. The first would be to translate the Bible for the deaf. The second would be to partner in helping accomplish a church building being built in Hungary. This is in collaboration with a global missionary and a ministry. The third would be to sponsor children's Bible clubs with our REACH global partner, Mission India. And the fourth is to provide a scholarship fund for BVG congregants to go on short-term missions. We want to send out our church family into the mission field. And so, what is our action step right now? We are asking you to pray. What is God calling you to do and engage? Because we believe this is for everyone. So, I want to speak to a few different types of people right now. First, if you're already faithfully and consistently giving, I'm asking you to pray about what God might lead you to give financially above and beyond in the month of June. Pray about what you can give with joy. Another group might be that you have yet to begin faithfully and consistently giving. And I'm asking you to pray about how you might start giving in June and really take an important step to grow in this area of your spiritual life with Jesus Christ because financial giving to Jesus is an act of worship. Also, some people might think, you know, someone else will give for me. I don't have to give, and this would really be to miss the whole point of the June giving challenge. We wanna see full participation. This challenge is for everyone, me and my family included. And I really believe that it is through full participation that we will discover what God wants to accomplish through this June giving challenge. So you might be wondering right now, how do I give? Well. You would give through the general ministry fund when, when you come in the month of June, and it might be on a, a physical campus, the Modesto or the Ceres campus, in a worship gathering, and you're, you're bringing a physical gift to cash or a check, and you're putting it in an envelope and bringing it in worship to Jesus. You might be giving through text giving. You might be giving 
online, but this is an opportunity for us to expect to see God at work. So let's do that and let's give to Jesus with joy as we take on this June giving challenge together. Now we believe that God has great things ahead for our church now, next, and goals are a good thing. Goals are a good thing that help us as a church family keep moving forward and say, God, where are you working? Where are you right now? Where are you going? Because we want to be right up in the middle of where you are working. And those projects all reflect places we believe are not only just opportunity, but it's where God's moving and where God's calling to us to as a church. Speaking of that, reach. Uh, what is reach? You've, you've seen um, maybe out there the core value of reach. You've maybe seen a painting once upon a time of reach and uh, we have these things called reach partners, and so we're going to look together what that means and really the bigger questions of, of why. Why do we reach? What's, why is that foundational to really who we are? And to tell that story, uh, we have to go back many years, and I want to take you one place in Scripture as we do that. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we're going to look at one verse, but I'll tell you it's worth it because it's really important for the history of this church. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I'll let you get there, because it's important. If you got a highlighter, good time to get that. Post-it note, I'm clearly a post-it note kind of person. Those are great to use, too. In 1966, on January 23rd, to be exact, at the Sylvan Clubhouse on McHenry in Modesto, 26 people, 26 people who were members, invited 10 of their friends. Here's a picture of it here. There was a total weekend attendance of 36 this is what would become Big Valley Grace Community Church, just down the road. Uh, I texted Lonnie this morning. I heard a rumor that he was in this picture. He is. Lonnie's in this picture. His brother, sister, and parents are in this picture, too. So if you can find Lonnie, then I'll get you a prize. So come up to me afterwards if you know where Lonnie is. Um, this group right here, God led this group, this 36 people on that first weekend, to one single verse that would be the purpose verse of why they existed, and it was this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do everything. You exist for one purpose, and it kind of even boils down to one word. It's to glorify God. It's to bring him glory. And if somebody even asks you, what is, what is that church you, you go to all about? What is that building there on the corner all about? Oh, well, that's, that's for the glory of God. Why do they have this ministry there? Why do they do that thing? Well, because we want to see God glorified. That's the purpose of our church. And when we talk about reach as a church, it's no different. It's the same thing. It is the purpose is to reach for the glory of God. We, as a church, were made for his glory, and you individually as people, every one of you, your mission statement, your purpose of life is to bring him glory in 1 Chronicles 16, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Think about things that are due in your life. Bills, assignments, maybe projects at work. Things that are due, right? It's because they, they have to be done. They deserve to be done. They need to rightfully done. And if they don't happen, bad things happen, right? And in the very, very beginning of this book, in the very first book of Genesis, in chapter 3, we see how this fails to happen, and then we see what happens. To borrow a phrase from Pastor Rick, he's not here this weekend, so I'm going to borrow a couple of them. We became, as a people, navel gazers. You see the first one, actually, in Genesis. When they were tempted and they were deceived with that fruit, it says in verse 6, they saw that it was good for food, and they look down at their navels. It's good for me. It was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. It tastes good for me. It looks good for me. It does good for me. Crunch. And we all know what happens in the story. There's this terrible spiritual separation, and death enters, and sin enters, and then just the story gets worse. Ten chapters later in Genesis chapter 11, you see this. Uh, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Keep that in mind because that's going to play into global reach later. Genesis 11:4, a few verses after that. Then they said, come, 
Let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. And isn't that so true of our world today, of our culture making a name for ourselves, this hustle, this grind culture, this self-made, you know, we lift up the influencers, the personalities, the self-made, self-focused, building our own little kingdoms and our own little followings, our own little worlds. One uh, author describes it this way. He says that we are nothing but glory thieves. Glory's not ours, but we just rob the one who is rightly due the glory and we're just glory thieves. Another author says, your glory, though, it's too small of a thing to live for. When you think about it, that little kingdom that you're building, that is far too small of a purpose to live for. And so when we talk about reaching as a church, this is not about lifting up the name of Big Valley Grace Community Church. It's not about lifting up Big Valley Grace, this, Big Valley Grace, that. It's not about the blue branding going out. It's not about the white crosses and the logo. It's not about, you know, the kingdom of Big Valley Grace. It's about the kingdom of God. We want to make his name famous. We want to make his glory the thing that we are, that is the purpose that drives what we are doing. And so that's, that's the first point there is that the purpose is God's glory. The second core piece of reach for us to really make sure we lock to, into as a church is that God's plan of reaching is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna go to a familiar verse for this one. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the world, he gave, and he reached. He, reached, he came to us. In Philippians it says, he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he's reaching. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He reached even when it wasn't easy. God came to reach us. He came in person, still fully God, but fully man, and he came to restore that which we just saw was broken. He came to offer grace and forgiveness and salvation, eternal life in Jesus. And quick side note, look at how that stands in such contrast to all the other religions and faiths you see in the world. So many of the other religions and faiths will say in the word, you have to earn these things, do these things, and that God will, will love you. And our God is the absolute. That's why it's a, it's a relationship, not a religion. We're not earning anything. He came to you. He reached out to you. He came, offered you a gift of grace and salvation, no strings attached, no earning necessary. It's for you. That's a, that's a different story, and that's the story of the gospel. In John 1, 14, and the word became flesh. Here he comes. It dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus gives us this promise in Matthew 24. The gospel, the good news of this kingdom, a kingdom where God is king. He's not only savior who comes to reach and to save, but he's also king. He's Lord. That means that, that, that he rules and he reigns and we are followers under him. In that kingdom, it will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Hold on to that word testimony. We'll come back to it in a second. And here's where we come in, because we're not only the recipients of the good news of this gospel, but those who also have a role in carrying it out, and carrying it out to the world. See 2 Corinthians, I love this passage. It says, for what we proclaim, it's not ourselves. That's point one, remember? Back to point one, it's God's glory. But Jesus Christ as Lord, that's point two, God's plan of the gospel. Here we go. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light, light shine out in darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we, you and me, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's how we participate. So he invites us. He invites us into his larger plan, the plan we see throughout scripture, the plan to reach and to rescue, that we are invited into 
to participate. And that's point three in your notes if you're following along with those. And it's absolutely key to understanding the, the, the role of reach in our church and why we do that. Um, flip over to Matthew chapter nine. We're gonna slow down for just a second and we're gonna walk through this passage and we're gonna pull out um, a few things of what it means for us to participate. In Matthew chapter nine, in, uh, starting in verse 36, Hear the beautiful sound of pages flipping. That's great. Matthew 9, 36. When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What can we learn from this passage? Uh, One author, he he describes it in this way. It's very good. He says, we need to see as Jesus saw and feel as Jesus felt so that we will do as Jesus did. See the progression here and how important it is. If we just look at what Jesus did, or if you look at these goals in this June giving challenge, you just look at these doing things, and you disconnect it from seeing who's behind it and feeling what should be felt, you're going to have a disjointed way of looking at trying to do the things we're trying to do as a church. So we have to start with the very thing that Jesus does when he, he sees, he looks out. And he notices. He pays attention to those who are hurting, those who are downcast, those who are alone. Remember, he came to seek and save the lost. There's no good Samaritan helping those. Nobody coming after them, those who are helpless. And because he saw them with his eyeballs, there was a connection that happened in his heart. And he felt for them. There's that word that's used there, compassion. We've talked about that before as a church. Latin word, two pieces to it, and in it is passion. Suffering, right? The passion of Christ is suffering. Suffer with, that's what that word means, to suffer with. To have compassion for somebody is to enter into it and suffer with them. See what they're going through, but not just see and understand and take a note and it's informational, but it's in your heart that happens. You feel, you feel the suffering, and you, you not only just feel the suffering, but you, you, you suffer with them. That's what compassion means. And that led Jesus to the first action step we should always have when we think about participating in reach, and that is that he prayed. He prayed. He prayed for those who might see the need and prayed that something would be done about it. And before Jesus ascends to heaven, it's recorded for us in Acts 1.8. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Remember that word testimony? Here it is again. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Witnesses. It's not, that's, that's like a kind of an old school world. You know, you see it maybe in a courtroom setting, but you might say, I don't see very many witnesses. I don't, I don't, it doesn't translate. You are saturated by witnesses. We live in a culture of witnesses, and I'll tell you why. We live in a culture of reviews and feedback and recommendations. You go online and you buy something. You go to Amazon and shop for something. Reviews everywhere. How many stars does it have? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Not good, not bad. What questions do they have about it? Turned out well for them? Not so good. I don't know. We live in a culture of reviews. Shop here, eat here, go here, stay here. You're gonna go somewhere? Where do you go? You go check out the reviews. We're gonna go there? Not gonna waste our time. We live in that type of culture. We are highly influenced and we highly value the recommendations and the experiences of other people. And Jesus says, you, you will be my witness. You will testify. And believer, don't get scared by that word. 
We hear the word testimony. We start looking up. Uh, I got 10 pages. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm kind of writing it. Some of the details I haven't got down. I haven't memorized this. I, we get all wigged out when it comes to the word testimony. And I, don't, I want you to think about just that word review. What would it mean for you to share your review of Jesus? Of what he has done in your life? Just to ask that simple question, what difference has Jesus made in your life? If he has come into your heart, you follow him, he's gonna make a difference. You'll know a tree by its fruit. There's gonna be stuff that shows up in the way you parent. Your marriage is gonna look different. The way you treat people is gonna look different than the, word, than the way somebody in the world treats people. The way you view your stuff is gonna be different than the way the world views stuff. You're gonna view... The, the, the things of your relationships, different. Friendships, the way you work at work is gonna look different. The fruit that is hanging off your life is going to look different. Think about the fruit of the Spirit that we're called to, to bear on these trees of ours, right? That love and joy and peace and patience, kindness showing up, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that these things would be noticeable and that when we review, that we would reflect who God is, that we would reflect him, that we would resemble this one that we are called to imitate, that we are called to become more and more like Christ. We are supposed to grow up in Christ's likeness so that, not so they can see us, not for our glory, not for our gospel, it's so that they might see his glory, that they might see more of who he is. You'll reach others by sharing who Jesus is to you. And that can come out all sorts of ways in how you talk and how you act. The author A.W. Tozer in his book, The Crucified Life, he said, the most important question we will ever answer is this. Who is Jesus to you? At the end of your life, you will be accountable to one question. Who is Jesus to you? Who was he? Did he mean something? Was he savior? Was he Lord? Did he make a difference? How does your life right now answer that question? Uh, any old school DC talk fans in the room? Yeah? Woo. Oh, more hands than last hour. I'm proud of you guys. If you are a fan of early uh, DC talk albums, you might remember uh, Jesus Freak, the album. The song? Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, track number four. Started this way, if you remember, if you're a real fan, you'll remember. It was a quote, and it was read, and I'm going to read it to you. It said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And to a watching world, that we would live and that we would speak and that we would act in a way that Jesus has meant something to us. He's made a difference. The gospel has done a good work, that there's transformation that's happened in our life, in our hearts. He says he gives us this heart of, heart of flesh, that he takes that heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. He says that there's, there's gonna be ways that you weather the storm that's gonna look different than the world. You're gonna have a hope that's different than the hope that the world has. You're gonna have a peace that's different than the world has. How you love is gonna be different than how the world loves. And man, over the past year, haven't we had a crucible where we have had the opportunity to, to, to show as a church who we are and what Jesus means to us and the difference he makes to cling to him and to allow him to, to be the one that we share and by the way, it's really important here that I share this. This is not effort. If what you're taking away from right here is I gotta go home and I gotta just try harder. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about trying harder. It's about grace. He's the one that does this good work in you. If what you get from this is just, uh, I, just I just just had a list of things that I gotta go home and I gotta work on and I gotta do this, He's the one that says, I want to do a good work in you. I will change your heart. I will, I will renew your heart and your mind. I will align your, your life with the things that I care about. I will help you see the things I want you to see. That's what he says. 
And so if you say, just try harder, that's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that submit to him and he will do a good work in you. Back to Acts 1.8. It says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. What did that mean? That meant in their community. So just as we have been talking about, that's exactly what you are to do in your community. That is part of what it means to reach as a church. Reach isn't just some department, some, oh, those are the local partners and the global partners and reach is taken care of. No, reach is something that our entire church is part of. And it looks like witnessing in Jerusalem, in your community right now, being salt and light right now in your community. We all have relationships with people. We all have an influence. We all have have some connections where other people who need Jesus see us. That is your mission field. That's one of your mission fields. A couple weeks ago, Joel gave us this challenge as a church. Go walk and pray. I read, I read something this week that said, missions is uh, not complicated. It's just hard. That one's, that one's pretty easy, though. Go outside and take a walk. Just go walk and pray. And if God leads somebody outside, if there's somebody that you get to interact with, Introduce yourself. And however you respond, however you share, that somehow that would review and share the God that you serve. For the June Giving Challenge, we believe that there's an opportunity here in our own community, in series specifically. And I call that our own community because we as a church, several years ago, uh, we believe that God led us to plant a church campus in series. I believe God led us to South County and really felt that God wanted us to go as a church. And not just be a come and see church, but a go church. And so we said, we're going we're gonna to go. And we're going to put effort and energy into starting a local family down there. And this past week, I had a chance. I was on a trip, and I got to go with uh, Pastor Tim. And Pastor Tim's our serious campus pastor. And um, stayed together, traveled together. And one of the things that, is, that Pastor Tim is very excited about and very compassionate for and is seeing much of is a need in that city. And in series, as he says, there's, there's a lot of youth, but there's not a lot of places to come alongside youth. There's not a lot of things going on for youth, but there's a lot of them there. And there's not many opportunities. And even in the way that we as a church, we, we have a building that we have on the weekends, but we don't have a place where, where there's ability to come alongside, fill that void of nothing to do, that we get to get into the lives of youth in series. And Tim's saying, I want to have compassion on them. I want to meet that need. And so in our June giving challenge, part of that is to seed that effort because we're going after that need because we want to do something as a church family. That's one of the ways that we want to reach into our community. In Acts 1.8, it also says, you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. It's other communities, outside of your community, future communities. And we see an opportunity here as a church to reach, to extend our gospel ministry to the north. In a similar way that we felt that God was leading us south, we also feel that God is leading us north. In 1977, our church changed its name to Big Valley Grace with a vision. It was birthed from that that we would be a church of this Big Valley. It wouldn't be about Modesto Grace that it would be big valley grace and that we want to be, reach this big valley for him. And so with that, again, we don't want to be just a come and see church. We don't want to just be a come here. I know it's an inconvenience to you. I know it's hard to have community there. I know you have your own things in that city. We want to go to them and come alongside them and, and reach our North County in a new way. And so part of our effort to reach the Judea and Samaria is this effort. And I'll just quick aside here. What we're doing with our online campus and our online ministry is one of those ways that we're reaching out into another community, a new, new community that doesn't, it's not geographically bound here by Modesto, but there's a whole bunch of people right now that connect online with this thing. They spend a lot of time here. They get degrees here. They make friends here. They meet their spouses here. They get jobs here. They buy stuff here. This is, this is where people spend their life. If anybody has, gets their screen, tra- their screen time tra- tracked, you know. There's a lot of time spent here, which means that there's a lot of people spending time here, which means there's a huge opportunity for us as a church to enter this space to reach some of those people 
that it would be for his glory and for the gospel. And this is one of those kind of new areas, those Judeas and Samarias, that we want to go into and we want to say we, we want to have an impact for Christ. And so that's one of the reasons why we as a church are saying online ministry is important to us. And that's, that's what I think about. That's what I, I'm excited to be involved in. And third and last, Acts 1.8 says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Revelation, we have that picture of worship happening around the throne, and it's from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We are to be a local church that cares about the global God we serve and the gospel going out. We, have a, we wanna have a global impact as a local church. We wanna be a church from neighborhoods to nations. And if you read through the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, it comes right after the gospels. It's a wonderful read. If you get a chance to just even go through it and read it as a narrative story, it's, it's a wonderful story that shows the church as it goes out. You read about Paul's letters and his missionary journeys, uh, church plants. And as you read that, you see these sort of two linked pieces of reaching happening. On one side, you've got the sent, those that are going, like Paul and Barnabas, they're sent out. And on the other side, you have those who are supporting and are giving. And they're really two sides of the same coin. They're both looking at this idea of we gotta reach out, we have to go, and so participation, that's point number three, participation, reaching as a church, happens on both sides. It's necessary, one can't exist without the other, and it's also a biblical partnership within the church. And that's why we use the term partners here. We don't call them missionaries. It's not you send off and you do that, I'm good here. It's no, 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 we're entering into a partnership with them. You are our partner. We're gonna support you. You're the one that's sent out, but we are in this effort together. We are both in one effort, one mission, but we are all part of that. A couple weeks ago, I was in Alabama. Um, my wife graduated from grad school. She's sitting back there. Uh, it was wonderful as a family to get to go. Uh, she got to walk, which is awesome, so it wasn't just online. And we got to take our kids. We have three young kids, two six-year-olds, a two-year-old. Uh, my parents got to go. So we got a whole crew going out there. And while we were there, we also had a chance to uh, do a couple things in Alabama, a beautiful state, a lot of things uh, to do. And so we drove up about an hour and 20 minutes north of Birmingham, if anybody's familiar with it. Uh, there's a town named Huntsville. And as you're going up the freeway, uh, Alabama's beautiful and green. It's humid, so you can trade off. Uh, but off to the right, you see this sign. And the sign says, largest space museum on the planet. Yeah. Like, that's good. We knew it was there. We wouldn't be driving up in the middle of nowhere if it wasn't. But we're driving up, and then all of a sudden, out of the trees, beautiful Alabama trees, there's this little white thing, and it gets bigger and bigger, and you drive, and you pull into this parking lot, and then you are standing in front of this 363-foot Saturn V rocket. I got a picture of my little boy as he gets out of the rental van and he looks up at this thing and it's huge. And this rocket tells the story of an entire decade. A story that started in 1961 when a Russian cosmonaut, he was carrying the first man who was ever in space. The United States of America, we were immediately behind in what was the space race. It was on and we were behind just a little over a year later, in 1962, President John F. Kennedy, he delivered a speech in Houston, Texas that would go down in history. In it, he said this. He says, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. And it was galvanizing, especially to that team, that team of NASA that received that mission and said, we gotta go after that. We're all gonna be together, united in this one effort to work together. And as you walk through the Space Museum, the, the Saturn V outside is a replica, but they actually got a real one inside. And it's broken up into sections. And as you walk around the different sections, they've got all the different pieces that are, that are all around this huge room. 
We've got the you know, command module and the lunar rover and the space shield thing, whatever the thing is. And they got all kinds of stuff. Fuel cells, some, some space person's going to come up to me afterward and say, yeah, that's wrong. Uh, I'm sorry. I did read a lot of the stuff. This is a team effort. And behind every single piece was a story. And it's a problem they didn't know how to figure out. Keith blowing up. We don't know what to do. And this, the, the people that worked on this were so passionate. They were so excited to be a part of something that was so great. And they were so excited to, to, to whatever role it was. We're making the parachute. It's better, it better be the best parachute. We're making sure that thing gets sewn right. We're just in charge of the screws for the, the fuel cells. Okay, we got to make sure that those are dialed in. Everybody was working together, working really hard, doing whatever it took because the mission was so great. And so behind every single piece of gear, there's a person and there's a story. John F. Kennedy didn't live to see it, but on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong became the first human in history to step in onto the lunar surface. And what the world saw was one astronaut. And the one name you remember is the one astronaut. And you might remember the other couple of them. But you see one guy. But he's the tip of the iceberg of the entire project. There's so many people that were a part of that, that were so committed to seeing it happen. And look what we find in the Bible when it talks about our partnership and our teamwork as a church. From, from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And each part working together properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus, the longest prayer we ever have from Jesus in, is in John chapter 17. It's right before he's, he's about to be crucified and he prays for, for one thing that's the biggest thing and this is it. Verse 21, that they all be one. That they would be one. Praying that they're together, they're united, that they are one. In 1 Corinthians it says, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor for we are God's fellow workers. That's the hat you wear. You are a fellow worker in the one mission that God has for each of us. We're all together. Look to your right. You are now. Look to your right. Look to your left. Those are your team members. They're part of the NASA mission team. And we have a mission as a church to go and reach. We got a lot of different spheres to reach into. But that's the mission that's given to us. And if they can be that passionate about falling out to a rock that's orbiting around, how much more should we be passionate about going and reaching a world with the good news of Jesus Christ? Go to all nations. If there was a word to describe our global reach efforts, uh, it could be described with four letters. It's an acronym. U-U-P-G. Unreached, unengaged people groups. Okay? People groups are just uh, people, families, and they have a shared uh, language and common ethnic identity. But those who are unreached and unengaged, that means that no one, no believer, no Christian, no influence is going out to reach them. And so out of the 17,000 people groups that are on our planet, over 7,000 of them are unreached. That's 43% almost. And what that looks like in hard numbers is that uh, as of yesterday, the global population was 7.76 billion people. It means that 3.24 billion of them are unreached. Over 3 billion people. And that's really hard to wrap our brains around 3, 3 billion. Hard for me. It's overwhelming. But I just want you to think about one. Just think about one person. Think about one person who wakes up probably uncomfortable because they don't have the quality of life we do. They wake up and they don't have a Bible that they can read. I'm sure they'd love that option, but they don't have a Bible. They don't have positive, inspiring Christian music to listen to on the way to work. Probably don't have a way to get to work other than walking. They don't have Bible verses on their fridge. Probably don't have a fridge. They walk outside their village and no believers. There's no church they can go to. 
to tell them, to counsel them, to wed them. There's no missionaries. There's no access to the gospel whatsoever. And here's the, the tragic thing. There's no one trying to reach them. There's nobody coming. There's no one who is coming to share about the one who came for them. They are born, they will live, and they will die, and they will never even hear the name Jesus. And so we as a church, we've made a priority in our global reach efforts that we would be a church it says we're going to go to those unreached, unengaged peoples. That's going to be the priority. And so over the past uh, years of our church, that's really defined the places we go and the people we are trying to reach into. And one of the ways that we've done that is by expanding our, ref, our, our reach in deaf communities. You might be wondering, well, well, what does that mean? Why deaf communities? And with us this weekend, we have Eric Reingruber. He is part of our, he's been part of our BBG family for a long time, for over 30 years. He's been on, on our elder board. He served as a pastor. And he is now using his, his gifts as a, one of our reach partners uh, with Wycliffe Associates in Bible Translation for the Deaf. So church family, would you join me in welcoming up Eric Reingruber. Thanks, Brandon. Good morning. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was a pastor on staff here. And um, my background, I had a marketing company years ago. As a child, I was about eight years old when I, I decided I wanted to be an animator. It was a dream. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, and, and when I owned my, my marketing company a few years ago, I got to do a lot of that stuff. And I still dabble in, in some of that stuff. I still love animation. In fact, uh, my company got to do the Splasher Safety Frog ads that you might have seen. So uh, not exactly uh, Mickey Mouse, but, you know, I got, I got to live it out a little bit. And so here I am a pastor two years ago. And uh, you might identify with, with the way I was thinking and feeling about some of these mission projects. Um, I got a, uh, an email forwarded to me from a friend, and it was the email was from Wycliffe Associates, and, it, and they said, we need volunteers who are experts at animation, who can deliver Pixar quality, who will give their time uh, as volunteers for multiple years to help with deaf translation of the Bible. And I thought, they do not know what they are asking for. And I could have deleted the email, but I thought, no, I'm going to show them how smart I am. I'm going to call, and I'm going to kind of tell them how wrong they are and to ask for this thing. And what that began was this uh, process where uh, what I thought was just me volunteering some, uh, some expertise uh, kind of drew me in, and I went to the Finishing the Task Conference down at Saddleback, which had an emphasis on reaching the 400 languages in the world. Four, there are 400 people groups, deaf people groups. Uh, that would be a subclass of their society. So not only is their, is their native tongue not reached, but then the, in many of those cultures, the deaf are the least of that culture, neglected, pushed aside, broken. They, they have not a single word of scripture. And then I learned at the first 10 minutes of the conference, I was, I was coming in as someone um, who had very definite ideas about the deaf. And maybe you do too. Uh, I'm still learning. But I walked in and I heard there still at that time was no American Sign Language translation of the Bible. And I thought... Well, they can read, right? I mean, isn't that, I didn't want to say that, but so don't quote me on that, but they can read. We have it right here. And what I learned was that, yeah, they can read. And I took German in high school, and I, I can read some scripture in German, but it's not my heart language. I mean, I began to see, what if every time I wanted to hear from God's word, I had to put a veil between me and the word and kind of push through that because it's not my heart language. So I began to see that I didn't really understand uh, 
what I was talking about when it came to the deaf. And I met some deaf people there. And uh, I learned that even in our society, uh, they can be terribly isolated. Um, they can feel marginalized. You go to other parts of the world, and they're sometimes like lepers. They are just forgotten. So 400 languages. Um, and the, the goal was, once upon a time, we want to get the Scripture eventually in every tongue. Because it says in Revelation... If I look in Revelation, I won't look it up. But it says, John says in chapter 7, after these things I looked and I saw from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, all of them singing, standing around the throne and the Lamb, singing praises to God. My paraphrase there. Every tongue. Well, that includes these people. And they are people. So I'm at this conference, and I, I started meeting some deaf people, and I, I realized that I was the awkward one. I was the one who was not prepared. And uh, the first night, I went back to my room, and I, I taught myself enough that I could talk about what I do. I do some animation. And there was a, a deaf filmmaker there. So we were able to connect, and, and, and I made it through a, a conversation. And God broke my heart. Because what I realized was um, it's not just another project. We do a lot of projects. And we're going to be, we have this emphasis in June, and it's great. If you can give, great. I would challenge you to give in June. But I think equally important is understanding that we may feel disconnected from these things. But ultimately, whatever your role is, is important. Like Brandon said, uh, you have a role to play. Uh, it says, how will they know unless someone sends the preacher? How will they know unless someone preaches and that preacher must be sent, right? And so uh, if I, so I really didn't explain what I do. Uh, I should do that very quickly because how does animation connect with translation? Um, and I don't have another 10 minutes to talk. But uh, simply put, the goal of Wycliffe Associates is to, as quickly as possible, get every verse in every uh, heart in their own language. So they want to have a translation for every tongue. They're working on 751 translations right now, and a bunch of those are for the deaf. ASL was completed last fall. So after 40 years of working on the deaf translation for American Sign Language, it was completed. Now you figure 400 languages we won't finish in this century, right? Well, that's why we, we really have to be smart about this. We have to figure out how do we do this quicker. And one of the ways that we do that is we engage local experts in language, local believers in their culture, who may not have the background, may not have the expertise. And so we have our Wycliffe partners working with these folks. And uh, there are often words that there just are no words in this language. So the word cubit, the, the arc was so many hundred cubits by so many hundred cubits by, or 70 cubits by, you know, 250, whatever it was. What's a cubit? That means nothing. Um, and, and that's, that's a really easy one, actually, to figure out. There are some that are much tougher. And so what I'm doing, so now I'm getting to that part, thank you for your patience, is I'm actually animating little 10 to 30-second clips that visually demonstrate a very difficult passage or concept. Uh, I'm doing a lot in Exodus. There's a lot of description of the temple and things that, that there just aren't words yet in those languages. And so the translators, it would take them so much longer to try to get a handle on it. But we can actually show them these kind of footnotes to say, here's what this looked like according to the description in Scripture. Here's what, you know, here's, here's Aaron throwing the staff down, turns into a snake, he picks it up again. That could take a long time to someone who's never read that passage of Scripture before, but we can make these footnotes and, and accelerate the, the process. And the fun thing for me 
is though there are 400 languages and there are going to be hundreds of translators over the course of this project, uh, the footnotes that we create are useful for all of them. So one clip can be used endlessly. So that's what I'm doing. So um, what I would ask from you, uh, I would ask you to be praying about June, uh, be praying about the challenge, but um, even more than that, this year has been really, I don't know if you know, we had a pandemic, but, uh, oh, sorry, too soon. Um, uh, as hard as it's been for us out here, it's been way, way harder overseas, and our partners overseas have had a hard time, and so it's, it's actually slowed this project, and, and we've been faithful, and we've been working, but uh, we're just so eager to get God's word into the hands of those who, who don't know Jesus. So be, please be praying specifically that, that God would accomplish his purpose in this translation. Yeah. Eric, could I pray for you? Yeah. As we, uh, appreciate it, Eric, yeah. Father God, we uh, are just thankful to be part of this effort. Lord, we, we, we see the need. We have compassion for those who want to know you and, and hear you in their native tongue. And Lord, I just thank you for Eric, his willingness, his giftedness, and God, for him to not use his gifts for his own glory, but Lord, to use them for you, just to lay them down for you, God. So just continue to bless him and encourage him as he, you know, even maybe spends hours on a screen, Lord, that he's just doing it for your glory. And I pray this in your name. All God's family said. Amen. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, real quick, um, another way that we in the June Giving Challenge are encouraging us to, you know, reach out is in the area of, of children's Bible clubs for Mission India. If you don't know this, Mission India is one of the organizations we as a church, we've partnered with them heavenly, uh, heavily because, both heavenly too, because the need is so great. There is so many unreached people groups in India and the, the need is high there. And so real quick with us this weekend, we have Michael who is part of Mission India and he's gonna come up and share a little bit about what they're doing and who they're reaching there in India. So welcome up, Michael. Thank you, Brandon. Good morning. So my Michael with Mission India. Uh, you know, as Brandon was, was speaking, uh, a quote came to me. Uh, John Piper said, missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. So in India, it's fantastic, the work of Wycliffe and others in translating uh, into heart languages. In India, uh, there are over 1,600 languages. So if you talk to an Indian person, they'll drive an hour and a half, and it's a completely other heart language. It's like another nation to them. Uh, to us, it wouldn't feel that way because we don't speak any of their languages. So it's one of the reasons why in India there, there are over uh, 2,000 unreached people groups. So we get the privilege of working with quite a, a large number of unengaged and unreached people groups there. Uh, an un in India, an unengaged, unreached people group, generally they would be a tribal animus. Uh, mixed with some Hinduism. So what that would mean is they worship trees and rivers and animals and ancestors, uh, just many things. Uh, and the relationship they have with these false gods is, um, is one of fear and appeasement, it's, which is so different than the Western mindset and just growing up here uh, and knowing the God that we, we get to serve and love. Um, so they live in constant fear of their gods and they're constantly needing to appease them. So that means like um, sacrifices and things of that nature. Uh, it's very different. Um, can I tell you a fun story? Actually, before I do, um, guess, can you guess what one thing all unengaged, unreached uh, people groups have in common? What one thing? They've never heard the name of Jesus before. So it's kind of a staggering statistic, but there are actually over 400 million people in India who have never heard his name. So for scale, that's actually more people in India who haven't heard his name than live in the entire population of the United States, um, which is a lot, right? So I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Vijay. Um, Vijay was the first Christian in his entire unreached, uh, unengaged, unreached people group in India, in northern India. This people group had 750,000 to a million people in it. And could you imagine being the only believer in Modesto and you come to know Christ and you're the only one? Think how big your city is here. 
Imagine your city's four times the size that it is, and you're the only believer. So question for you is, what would you do? Makes you process a little. What would you do? How would you reach people? Well, he did all he could do. He took the thing that he had that could get him around town, which is his bike, and for 10 years, he rode his bike around and shared the gospel uh, with, with his, his, uh, his large tribe. Um, and in a 10-year span, he actually planted two churches, which is actually really good. Uh, he did a great job. He planted two churches, uh, worked really hard to do that. At that point, we encounter him. And so you guys sponsor children's Bible clubs, as Brandon mentioned. You also do church planner training and adult literacy uh, projects. All three of those programs plant churches. Um, so he encounters us and partners like you guys who are heavily invested in, in uh, seeing God's glory in India and people come to know him. And we say, hey, Vijay, why don't you take those two churches and, des- and look for five people in each church who you believe can, God, God can use to plant churches. And so he comes back to us with five from each church. He has 10 church planners. We take him through training, a one-year's training program. And then... They go out, basically three years later, which is, which is roughly now, they're finishing their third, third batch of 10 church planters, and they have over 40 churches planted in this, this northern region of India. So praise God. Thank you. So that was a formerly unengaged, unreached group that now is engaged. It just goes to show how God's on the move uh, this world and this time we're in amongst the unengaged and unreached um, by the way, I have pictures here. If y'all want to come to see me afterwards, uh, be sure you happy to happy to show you pictures of VJ and the church planners and kind of what their church looks like. Um, so challenges that they face, you can probably imagine. False religion's been in place uh, for thousands of years. There, India is over several thousand years old as a nation. It was mentioned in the Book of Esther um, in the Old Testament. Persecution is very real. When people come to Christ in India, they get denied access to water often, which is generally a well. Um, How long can you go without drinking water? Not too long. Uh, Work is often taken away from them, or they get just completely thrown out of their village altogether. It's not uncommon. Uh, Last summer, we actually had three martyrs connected to the ministry, Uh, one in June, one in July, and one in August. So, yeah, uh, their consequences can be pretty heavy, Um, but... They're, the Indian church planters, their eyes are just set on heaven. They're set on the kingdom and the glory um, of God being made manifest on the earth. Um, COVID has been difficult, as it has been here. It's been difficult there, um, as others have mentioned, and have you guys, have, of course, experienced. Um, but it's amazing the creative ways the gospel is finding roots into places where it wasn't known. And even how Wi-Fi is reaching areas it wasn't formerly reaching. Um, so... Yeah, our church planners are finding creative ways to reach people, um, and that's kind of been, been neat to see. Um, I'm just going to leave you with a prayer request um, from the Indian church planners, um, essentially your Indian church planners. And uh, they say COVID, of course, is hitting the nation very hard. It's the, the media is, is it's real. What you're seeing is very real. Um, and Indian believers are asking prayer for just for courage despite COVID to, share the, to be out sharing the good news in the face of persecution, um, pandemic that's hitting really hard and the general difficulties they face um, from, from other villagers and what they, what they see in the area. Um, they generally always ask for the same thing, just for boldness and courage. They never ask for persecution to stop. They say, that's just a ramp. That's just, it's in the gospels. If you preach Christ, you're gonna be persecuted, but give us courage and boldness in the face of it to reach our fellow countrymen. Um, the scripture I'm gonna close with is, is uh, in, in just asking for help for a prayer from you guys is that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. What was on my heart is how much more the prayer of an entire, uh, entire praying church for, for the nations and for the unreached and for your, your uh, gospel workers. Um, I believe um, that these people are some of the greatest treasures in the kingdom of heaven who are hidden in the most far away and forgotten places of the world where the name of Jesus is not yet known. So I just really want to thank you, Big Valley Grace, because you guys believe in these faraway places and you put time, talent, and treasure to see them reach uh, for the good news and for the gospel uh, to take heart and root in the land and in people's lives. So thank you so much. Your prayers are availing much. Michael, can I pray for you? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for Michael. Thank you for the, the ministry that he's a part of and that he represents. And God, it's just really humbling even just to hear they're not just praying for protection and safety. 
We're praying for boldness in the midst of whatever. God, that's just an amazing prayer, and I pray that you would give it to them, that you would give them all the courage and resolve and hope and trust in you that they need, Lord, as they head out into places that aren't safe, but places that need you. Lord, thank you for this vessel of light in a dark place, and Lord, we continue to use Michael in that great way. All God Church family said, amen. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, We're going to close today with a song. This is a chance to bring our gifts and our offerings to the Lord. And and as we do, I want to encourage you with two two pieces real quick. Um, First, how cool that moment is, the fact that we get a chance to get to hear from some of our reach partners, get to know them. The name of our cafe out there is called Cafe Astoria. Astoria comes from Galatians 1.18, when Paul and Peter get together and they say they got acquainted with one another. And it is very important, even for the partnership of the church, that you would get to know some of the people who you are on this mission with. Not only just our global partners, but our local partners. Go check them out online. Get to know the people in your church. We are on this mission together. This is a a partnership going on the mission together, and that's really important. So the two things I want to encourage you with are this. One, we ask you to keep your Connect card, and here's, here's why. If something about today has stirred in you where you have said, you know what? I hear about these short-term mission trips. I hear these other places. I know as a church we want to get out and do some short-term missions. I at least want to know about when those are going to come up. If that's you, if you would at least like to know, write on that Connect card just the word go. Just two letters, go. We're not going to send you a boarding pass tomorrow. What's going to happen is we're going to just add you to an email list. And on that email list... As soon as we have projects and and plans to maybe, hey, we're thinking about going to Indonesia, we're thinking about going here, here's what it looks like, here's what the passport and the different things you might need to start getting in the works, would you just begin to pray about it? If you have any stirring whatsoever that that might be you, just write go, and you'll just be on an email, and you'll get an email, and you can be part of the front line of praying for that, so that's one. Number two is is just our gifts and bringing during this last uh, song. We call this our moment of joy, and really I've been setting it up this entire time. Because when we bring our gifts to Big Valley Grace, we're bringing them to the Lord. It's for his glory. It's for his gospel going forward. It's participating to support the work of ministry. And that's what this moment's about. So if you're already giving towards the June giving challenge or whether it's just your normal giving, we're giving to the Lord and I invite you right now to do that. We have ways to give online, ways to give via text, and we have a team that's gonna, that's gonna come for our, our moment where we get to bring a gift to the Lord. So we pray and we're gonna close with a song. Father, so good to uh, be before you. Uh, Just get a big picture of who you are, your glory. Big picture, Lord, of your gospel, of the good news of the gospel. Big picture, Lord, of what it means for every single person in here to be a participant, to go in some way. When you say, you know, blessed are those who go, that it would be beautiful feet, God, we all want to be the beautiful feet that are part of the going. And God, would you make us a going church that we are centered around you and your good work to go and reach people for your name and for your glory. And God, as we bring your, uh, these gifts to you, may they be to that end and that purpose. And all God's family said, amen.